Hello there. Welcome to part two of Irrefutably Beautiful High School Musicals. Irrefutably Beautiful High School Musicals, I like that. Yeah, it does kind of bring out the Scottish. Exactly. If, if you weren't Scottish already... That you'd was be, my intention. You'd be Scottish by the time you've finished saying the title. <laughs> my name's uh, Simon. <laughs> I'm Nadim. <laughs> Don't fucking laugh over me saying my name. Like, oh, he's, t- he's going to do the saying his name bit. Today's podcast... We're talking about Grease 2, a little-known sequel to a large and famous and classic It is kind of true that people, there is a lot of people out there that go, is there a Grease 2? (laughs) We'll get into that, man. We'll get into that. It seems to be, yeah. All right. Roll credits. Roll roll theme song. (laughs) No, no. It's a meme now. It's a meme now. (laughs) Roll the opening. It's a meme now to say credits instead of... Credits. Credits. End. Art cinema, 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 Kill Bill, Volume 2. Nadim, your voice is really, really, really sexy, man. Your voice is awesome, man. Sexy. I just fell in love with your voice. Super sexy voice, man. You've just got a super sexy smile and a super sexy voice, man. Seriously. You're gonna be the next comedian in Hollywood. I can just see with your... That goblin kind of a smile that's a very cunning smile your voice is really really sexy man really sexy goblin smile <laughs> you know goblin there's like a, there's a yardboard song called dolphin smile mm. uh, well that's me all right and just think uh, just just replace dolphin with goblin there's and... a type of shark called a goblin shark What's it doesn't really? look unlike me does it do a lot of goblin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, aye. <laughs> Does it gobble a lot of things? Oh. <laughs> it gobbles up all the fish in the sea that are his prey. Okay, Simon? Get your fucking mind out the gutter. If Maxwell Caulfield jumped into the ocean, would he have to fear the goblin shark? Or no. No. no he, he, would... already, he already sunk because of his career sinking. You don't have to fear sharks. Sharks are our friends in the sea. <laughs> His uh, his career. Yeah. All right, man. Welcome to the podcast. We're talking about Grease 2. Again, we mentioned this. It's a little-known sequel to the first Grease film. The first Grease film being this total, absolute classic of cinema. It's like one of the most famous musicals ever, if not the most famous musical, I think. No, I don't know. If don't you ask someone to name a musical, they're going to say Grease. Singing in the Rain. All right, other than that, that movie, pff, Singing in the Rain. We're like singing in the... Pain. <laughs> That's shit. Uh, all right. What do you have to say about Grease Two, man? Right. So the the story is uh, they've gender reversed the sort of hero. Like Sandy was like a sort of quite bookish outlander, like from Australia or something, wasn't she? Mm. And uh, she becomes all sassy and leathery to become dateable from the T-Bird's perspective. So, right, so... Right, we should do this for him. We should describe the first film, right? Yeah. Go with the first film very briefly. The first film, if I remember... It's been a while since I saw it. The first film is very similar to High School Musical <laughs> in that... Well, it came before High School Musical. 
But um, <laughs> they ripped off high school music. I can't believe they did that. In these 19. two young high school kids they meet on a summer holiday. They fall in love, and then they go back to high school, and it suddenly turns out that they're both at the same high school. Whoa! What? <laughs> and uh, uh, however, Danny Zuko, played by of course Jean Travolta, he uh, he's a you know he's a cool guy, and she's a bit lame. She's a bit of a loser. Uh, is Sandy, played by Olivia Newton-John? And then it's basically just about it's the musical adventures of of these kids. Danny is part of a group called the T-Birds, which are like a bunch of greasers who are people who slick back their hair and ride motorbikes and wear leather jackets. And then there's the pink ladies who are like, they're like girls who wear pink. Is that it? Yeah. Uh, uh, and the, there's kind of like the, the two, they, they have ownership of each other. It's like that's the, right, the yeah. T-Birds stick to the pink ladies and the pink ladies stick to the T-Birds. So they're like two, two groups of cool people who, who only mess around with each other. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Sandy not being part of either uh, is kind of like she she learns to be cool uh, for Danny and and then they get I together. I think that, maybe that's what's awful about these films, yeah. and I'm going to include the first one as well because these the, the model of the story in Greece and Greece too is conform to conform or die, <laughs> conform or die. You know, don't push any boundaries. Just conform. Find a way to mould yourself into something that's been. I Sandy becomes corrupted. <laughs> yeah, it's all. And so yeah. does uh, Maxwell. Cut you're right. So does. Uh, it's the story of adaptation. It's the adaptation for the greater good, being a relationship with John Travolta. Anyway, so everyone knows what Greece is. I just thought we'd better mention it. Yeah. Yeah. Greece in this, too. In Greece too, uh, Sandy has been replaced by her cousin. Like, is that right? I think that's right. Yeah. So this guy uh, called Michael Carrington. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Carrington. Michael Carrington. And he's played by this young chap called Maxwell Caulfield, mm-hmm. which is a made-up name. It's such a fake name. And a, ca- a character from the first Grease movie comes in and says, Oh, you, you must be Sandy's cousin. That's Frenchie, played by Didi something. I can't remember yeah. I can't believe that uh, High School Musical was in, uh, in initially intended as a potential Grease 3. Right, so interestingly, Grease 2 was, part, was, was considered to be part of, like, it was the second chapter of what they envisioned to be a four-part series, apparently. Mm. And that would also include a TV programme as well. However, this film, Grease 2, flopped and they just decided to cancel it all completely. Um, oh, yeah. So it was Pull- actually, there was going to be four Greases and a TV programme, but they never did it. Pull the plug on something wonderful, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so in Grease 2, you've got the, a pink lady uh, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Ah. Uh, who is like she's a bit she's a bit standoffish a bit cool she's she's cool she's she's a super cool lady and then you got the these asshole t-birds who are like again leather jacket wearing jockish kind of guys and then you've got this lame ass guy michael carrington who uh he falls in love with michelle pfeiffer's character at first sight at first sight yeah their meet cute is disgusting i hate it and then he decides to become a motorcyclist to impress her and he kind of conceals his identity as a kind of super heroic motorcycling force and she falls in love with him despite not knowing a thing about him. Uh, he's, called, he's almost like a superhero in that regard. And then in the last moment, it's all revealed, wow, he's actually Michael all along. And instead of being like, ugh, she's like, wow, and runs to him and that's the end of the movie. But he has conformed and they do give him a T-board jacket and make yeah. him... 
<laughs> I thought I thought at the end of the movie he'd be like, I don't want to be a T-Bird. T-Birds are stupid. Fuck that. But instead, no, he literally puts on T-Bird jacket and is like, yeah, you're right, cool. In fact, Michelle, I'm cool now. Michelle Pfeiffer's character has uh, kind of been the one testing the boundaries of this the whole way through. She's she's the one person that's like, you know what, I don't want it to be dictated to that I have to date a T-Bird. And, uh, you know. yeah, and they're all and like, then... you know, we've been questioning your loyalty to the Pink Lady blah, 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 code or whatever. Oh, you know, yeah. The Pink Lady code. The Pink Lady code. This is Polish lesson two. Czechowa bash me examnom nudny sex. Techna pravdium ja żartuję. Nie martw się, że jestem machino sexu. Which means, would you like to have boring sex? But really, I'm joking. Don't worry, because I'm a sex machine. Also, another thing I like about this is Maxwell Caulfield's character, Michael. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, um, When he decides that he's going to have to get a bike to impress this lady... Uh, so he buys he, a motorbike, because he's clearly a guy of means. He's got a British accent. Well, he, he uses um, the fact that he can turn oh, yeah. in papers. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I forgot. The T-Birds actually, because they're obviously thick as pig shit, they have to have their papers written by someone with an English accent. <laughs> <laughs> Who then takes so, money from them and uses it to buy a bike and kick them off at night. <laughs> <laughs> He's a vigilante. But like, how much money must he have saved up from writing these guys' essays? He buys a heap of junk and uh, there's a great moment when he, he does it up and you go, oh, it's cool now because he's painted a shit flame on the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so lame. Oh, so apparently the film script wasn't actually finished while they were filming this movie. So French. So, <laughs> it's so, like Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. They just had to roll out ideas. Oh yeah, right. As they so were so it's it. not unusual in some films for them to kind of be adaptive as they as they make it. Obviously, you know, Jaws is a perfect example of that, right? Yeah. The the fact that they didn't write the script is hilarious because Frenchie from the first film, she's in the f- kind of first kind of part of the movie, and she's a, in a little bit of the film, and then she's suddenly not at all, and her part is never brought up ever again. Like she's. Come to Rydell High to be uh, to to learn chemistry, and then because she wants to be a cosmetic person or something, she wants to learn cosmetics or something, uh, mm-hmm. so she has to go back to high school. Uh, but instead, <laughs> they just jettison that uh, that portion of the of the story completely, and Frenchie is never brought up ever again, and it's really weird. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's weird about Frenchie's involvement in this film is that she witnesses when uh, when Michael tries gets his bike and he's trying to ride it and do you know, like the wheelies on it and yeah. things. He gets really good really fast. Yeah, but in the park when he's kind of fucking up and falling on his on his ass and mm. stuff, she witnesses this and she runs over to him and she goes, Michael, what were you trying to do? <laughs> in kind of a mother sort of way. like she, she doesn't know what a fucking bike stunt looks like. She's two years older than him. She was a pink lady She's from the She's been through the events of Greece 1. Yeah. Why is she acting so innocent like she doesn't know what, what, were, you, what were you trying to do anyway? I don't, I don't recognise this bullshit. It's like it's like your grandfather. It's caught fake you or concern. I think she she probably secretly fancies him a wee bit. Eh? Probably. Yeah, but I just Maxwell thought, Caulfield. I thought that the uh, that that line indicated someone who was you know didn't know what the fuck she was looking at, and that's not who that's not who she is. She she French-y. she should go over there and say, wait a minute, Michael, are you trying to become a T bird so you can fuck Pfeiffer or Pfeiffer whatever? Pfeiffer. She should have a bit of that long in the tooth thing. I've seen this before. You're trying to fucking peely so that you can shag that Michelle Pfeiffer. Cat, cat woman. You know? Apparently, Maxwell Caulfield and Pfeiffer didn't actually get on very well during filming, which is a little bit unfortunate given that they're, you know, meant to be lovers. 
Mm-hmm. But I think you can actually see it come through a lot because they have no chemistry whatsoever. She didn't have chemistry with uh, Harrison Ford and What Lies Beneath either. I, I don't think Michelle... I've not seen much Michelle Pfeiffer, but I don't think she's that good an actress. Is that a bad mm-hmm. thing to say? No, you might be onto something I, I, from what But I've she seen, managed to have a successful career. Maybe she's the one that Doug Maxwell Caulfield's <laughs> grave yeah. by like saying to the producers, you know, I don't like that cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, yeah, he he's come out. Um, he's come out and said like that. Greece absolutely killed his career. Greece too killed his career, and that before Greece, he was considered to be you know the next John Travolta, and uh, and then Greece two came out, and he said he didn't get over the stink of Greece two for ten years, and it was like I, I think I think your, your problems were were far worse than just being part of Greece too. I think uh, he's not very good. I like him in uh, Empire Records, a film called Empire Records, where he plays like a... I haven't seen it. He plays a cheesy, faded pop star and he... <laughs> How appropriate. Yeah, he, he, he plays it perfectly. It's like Patrick Swayze and Donnie Darko. You know? All right, okay. Uh, and it's 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 funny. Um, or Michael Keaton in Birdman. I actually think... Uh, that um, I, I can see the potential for him to have been good if he did get the right project. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, not necessarily the best actor ever, but he's so bad this, in this. We are talking about Michelle Pfeiffer, the Hollywood star. Michelle who? Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> the Hollywood star, right? Correct. And uh, Maxwell Caulfield could easily, equally have been Maxwell Caulfield, Hollywood, the star. Hollywood star who's not very talented, mm. but instead. I think that Michelle Pfeiffer was somehow more influential in the he said, she said bullshit that went on. Mm. So she gets to go on to the next movie, which in her case, I don't know what would the next movie have been, Into the Night with Jeff Goldblum or something. Yeah. yeah. So she rolls into the next, she gets an adult career on the go and uh, Maxwell Caulfield does not. But Apparently I, he wanted them, so the movie was originally be called, uh, to be called Son of Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Son of Greece! Uh, but then the producers changed it to Greece too, and he apparently really campaigned for it to be changed back, and, he, and they never listened to him. So Son maybe if this Greece. film was called Son of Greece, it'd be good. I don't really know if that's the move I would have made. <laughs> Son of Greece. Son of Greece. That's the worst fucking name. Uh, but, you know, I, I do like the idea of, like, just take any film and introduce a character that's the cousin of, uh, you know, I, I would love it. To, uh, I'm going to get to work actually on a script for um, <laughs> Taxi Driver 2. <laughs> Do it, man. Some English bastard's going to roll into New York. Like, it's going to be set in 1978 or whatever. Like, yeah. uh, it's going to be set two years after the events of the first Taxi Driver <laughs> film. And some English dude's going to come into New York and say, Oh, I'm Travis Bickle's cousin. <laughs> you know, Travis Bickle, you saw him, you know, and you read about him in the news, he killed a pimp. You know, I'm his cousin. I'm going to I'm going to come to New York and be a taxi driver. <laughs> and it'll be like a PG-rated musical, even though it's called Taxi Driver. It'll be a musical. Too. Yeah. That's an inspired touch. Yeah, no, I mean, he's going to do the punk haircut and it's going to be like a punk musical. Yeah, I think when you when you make a sequel like this, which is where you completely jettison the whole main cast of the first film, is you've basically created a remake. That's basically what they're doing here. Like, it's a remake of the first yeah. film. And they try to kind of subvert aspects of the first film in a kind of... I suppose it's meant to be intelligent way. Like, the whole T-Birds are... A- the T-Birds are actually obnoxious instead of the heroes of the film. And the Pink Ladies are actually obnoxious instead of the heroines of the film. Then at the end, they completely cheat on that. And I suppose, actually, maybe maybe there's a, something to be said for... Even though he's made a T-Bird at the end and she's about to start dating him. The T-Birds. <laughs> maybe there's a lot to be said for... What a T-Bird is has become corrupt and 
the influence of uh, Michael Carrington gets them back on track again. So they all become like governors. So like, even though he's, they all become English, gents. it's not so much that he's been made a T-bird, but the T-bird have broadened their acceptance. Oh, so they to have include actually, this governor. They have actually <laughs> changed. Oh, yeah. governor! I actually think that uh, in Kill Bill Volume Two, there's a ridiculous scene that often gets kind of like uh, a bit of shtick, a bit mm-hmm. of stick. Sorry. Not shtick, that's another thing. Here, David Carradine talks about how he likes Superman over all the other superheroes because uh, Superman invents Clark Kent as a critique uh, and Superman is actually, like, Clark Kent is the disguise as well as the critique of humankind and Superman is, like, more like the real person. I feel it's similar with um, Maxwell Caulfield, uh, who's, uh, his, his performance in this film, I think it's one of those things where he makes it his own, and he almost deserves, like, a writing credit. <laughs> right? Because uh, Michael Carrington is Maxwell Caulfield's critique of humankind, and yeah. the, the cool rider is what... Maxwell Caulfield actually is. Yeah, ah, yeah. yeah, you're totally getting me. Yeah, 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 you're getting yeah, me. Yeah, um, Yeah. So the, the there's a scene where um, Michelle Pfeiffer uh, starts fantasizing from Pf- stage. Fantasizing. Uh, did so? Does she think the Cool Rider's dead at one point in the film? What are you talking? Oh, I forget. Yeah, he's yeah, he's coming. Do uh, they think that he died in an so, accident? So yeah. Or so there's a weird chase in the film, and then. They, they ride the they chase the cool rider off and he does this insane motorcycle jump over a police car at one point as well which is impossible how do you just jump over a police car from the ground anyway he while they're chasing him he jumps over into a canyon and and he's presumed dead and uh <laughs> and then he just comes back later on actually there's a scene that qualifies as one of those so awful it's brilliant yeah the, is this the, the bit where he comes back in all the smoke <laughs> It's so bad. It's like uh, it, it was totally. Oh my god! It was totally up there in the level of like Star Wars holiday special. It's so bad. Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Pfeiffer, sorry, Pfeiffer. Correct. Uh, she fantasizes. Uh, she loses herself on stage in her thoughts while she's meant to be performing a song. Ends up, <laughs> ends up performing another song. Yep. And having a fantasy sequence where the, the cool rider, now grey and somewhat sequenced and glittery, <laughs> and surrounded by smoke uh, machine mist. It's like a total uh, cheesy 80s music video. You know, and uh, yeah, so we'll get like the ghostly apparition of the cool rider. That's so weird. She's like longing for like the cool rider because she thinks that he's dead, but he's actually just... He's alive and well. And also, the, uh, the another beautifully cringeworthy moment is just before that moment, where it's like the Hawaii-themed party, and they're singing like a, a gibberish song, a bit like we go together from the first film. You know, there's this like, <laughs> bunch of gibberish words. They do the same sort of thing in, in this one. Maybe it's not gibberish. Maybe it's like <laughs> some, I don't know. Some, Poetic thing. Some, yeah, I don't know. But I remember just sitting watching this movie just... Like physically feeling myself crumple up because it was like, oh, you just you're trying to hit all the same beats of the first film. Oh my goodness, can't mm. stand it. Ooh. And uh, yeah, there's this the, the first musical number that Maxwell Caulfield does is when he's um, a, what's the name of the song? I think I've got it written down. Uh, it's uh, no, I don't. But a song it appears to be just a song on the soundtrack, like any other. Like uh-huh. he's walking uh, in the diner with his tray, and he's just going to take his seat, and he's looking very depressed. And this song is playing just like any song on the soundtrack. Uh-huh. And then you find out when the chorus hits that it's actually his music number, and it kind of intermittently changes between just him hearing this song and actually singing it. 
Oh. And I think that Grease 2 qualifies as an avant-garde work that really uh, messes with uh, the, the, the common rules of, of musical filmmaking. It's, yeah. uh, it's totally beyond it. It's totally yeah. beyond no, you're absolutely correct, mate. Yeah. That's so bold. It's so bold what Maxwell Caulfield <laughs> it's does. It's art. It's so bold what he does. It's absolutely he art. He comes man. into the picture. He writes everyone's essays for him, uh, for them, sorry. And uh, and uh, while he's at it, he rejuvenates the entire musical um, genre of film. What's Maxwell Caulfield up to now? I don't know. I think that he's probably, in real life, he's probably got a real vigilante guys that he uses to fight crime with. <laughs> He actually rides about in a motorbike. If you, you know, whatever. What's does. going on at the moment that no one can explain? It's probably Maxwell Caulfield. Yeah, that's right. Like penguin populations are decreasing. <laughs> it's Maxwell. It's Maxwell Caulfield How killing those penguins. Fucking leave those penguins alone. Stop killing those penguins, Maxwell. Penguin, penguin. Stop it, Maxwell. <laughs> I'm Nazi. Nazi. Hey, that's cool. <laughs> Very good. Mm, yep. Yeah. Uh, shoot the shit. Nadi, your voice is really, really, really sexy, man. So apart from the penguin killer Maxwell Caulfield, uh, <laughs> there is also like uh, a slew of weird characters. Like the T Birds are kind of have a rival gang that's fronted by a crater-faced, uh, like an acne scar, so ugly ah. bastard. And I didn't know if they were going to reference how ugly this guy was, but then they do. They start calling him Crater Face and all the rest of it. And uh, yeah, that's the spend the cool rider uh, Michael's nighttime pursuits as a crazy biker dude. Apparently, again, he learns how to be this biker guy very fast. Like he just he just trains himself to ride a bit motorbike in a field, and all of a sudden he's the best motorcyclist ever. And it all starts outside the bowling alley or something like that. I don't know. Is it that that this creepy gang fronted by? Yeah, they arrive at the bowling alley. Ugly bastard. You know, there's a whole fight sequence between the cool rider and them, and everyone's watching <laughs> from behind glass doors from safety, including the T-Birds. And they're watching this guy, and it's what's it? The the it, the music's going on for a while. The camera's kind of drifting along this glass door. Michelle Pfeiffer's kind of Pfeiffer is kind of bobbing her head, like, yeah, the cool right. This guy, let's see what he does. Like that. <laughs> and then they kick into the song. It's like, what is it? You know, um, he came out of the darkness in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, it's the, who's that guy? But I think it's great. I love it in musicals when the song starts. It kind of surprises you that they're singing. It's like I thought, I thought it was just like uh, you know a bit of dialogue or a bit of action, and then they start singing. It's like oh, <laughs> it's a song. It's a song. It's time for songs now. Yeah, and it's like there's the scenes mid sentence and stuff like uh, like uh, Michelle Pfeiffer for the the first uh, cool uh, rider performance. It's like, she's uh, so bad at singing. She's just. Like, I mean, I ain't exactly a, I ain't exactly a blooming voice of an angel either myself, but. Ooh, she's so bad and she can't dance. What's going on? Uh, Michael's been asking her out and 
you know, the, please go. What about, what about tomorrow? What about the night after tomorrow? And she's like, I and think you're not like, getting the message. Look, when are you going to get the picture? And then she takes two steps forward. If you really want to know what kind of guy, whatever, you know, what I want in a guy and all that, you know, I, I love that thing. The musical yeah. number continues beyond the scene as well. So, like, <laughs> So like she, she's like dancing about in the streets singing the song. So like Michael and is it his name? Michael's not even in the scene at this moment. She just like she starts she, dancing <laughs> through the street and he's kind of like following her and like looking at her and then like some. But that this is what it's at this point that the biker dude shows up and uh, says, "Look, England, I hear you're a brain fucker. You know, I don't know, brain." <laughs> I hear you're a brain machine or something like that, you know. Write my paper for me on, like, the fall of Rome or something like that. Mm. Yeah, so it's uh, it's on the back of uh, Michelle Pfeiffer announcing that she needs a cool rider. That's what she's looking for in a guy. Yeah. Oh, you that's really the, want to know. So that's the other thing about this film. What? They take the... So the, the, the kind of wittiness of Greece is that... Of the first Greece is that all the songs are, are like... Or not all of them. A lot of them are total sexual innuendos. Like, like when you're a kid, you sing, you sing like Grease Lightning, like it's the best song ever. Then only when you're kind of a little bit older, you're like, oh, f- that's about okay. This film, every single song is about sex in some way. Every single. One. There's one that's just called Reproduction that they <laughs> sing in a sex education class. Reproduction. Reproduction. <laughs> It's so cringy, man. It's like it's it was it would be function as a really good high school musical parody. And I say this about so many bad films, but like it's like a film from a blooming different universe. It's know? an unintentional parody. It's it that really whole is. thing, yeah. Uh, there's the scene where uh, for some reason out of nowhere, conversation turns to nuclear bomb threats from Russia. And oh yeah, and there's then like there's, there's like a... bomb shelters and things. <laughs> And uh, the guy, one of the greaser, one of the T-birds brings his lady friend, pink lady friend, uh, to a bomb shelter and says it could happen at any moment. He sets up this thing where the, his friends make the alarm outside and it's all a big ploy to coerce her into sex. Yeah. Let's do it for our country. <laughs> the red, And that's never and brought blue. up ever again. He just, he just like, yeah. he, he pretends that there's been a nuclear bomb threat. In order for her to sleep with him, and then it's just moved on from. Yeah, she very thinks weird. she thinks he's talking about um, signing up for the army and whatnot, and uh, we can help out and stuff. Let's do it, what we know, but won't we get hurt and stuff? But he's continuing to talk about it, like what what he's suggesting is sex. Won't won't you get hurt? It's like you know, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! Oh man. So yeah, yeah, but my my early memory of this film is uh, I never saw it until like a couple weeks ago. But um, my early memory of this film was we were in HMV once, and I and I saw not we, not you and me, just we as in me plus I don't know like my dad, I don't whoever know. the hell was. We were in HMV, which is the, which is a record with? shop for anyone who doesn't know what that is. His master's voice. It's actually it's, they don't really exist much anymore. But we were in a record shop, and I uh, I saw Grease Two like the DVD, and be, I remember just being like, "Is it Grease 2? What? And I remember I asked my mum, who is like, Grease is like one of her favourite films. And I remember being like, Mum, there's a Grease too. Like, this is great news. Like, there's a Grease too, by the way. And mum was like, it's not very fun. <laughs> it's not very fun. Oh, right. She's just like, it's not very fun. No. I actually think it is. Well, oh, no, it's, it's not what she said. She said, it's not as much fun. All right, fair enough. Well, no, I, I have to watch Grease again, having watched Grease 2 last night. But I actually thought Grease 2, like you say about the unintentional parody thing, oh. 80% of it's unintentional parody. So as a, fart, as a piece of fart cinema, 
it's as good as it's going to get, you know? It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, it is very funny. It's very bad funny, but it's yeah. funny. And uh, I think that the Michelle Pfeiffer thing of like her knowing that she's like... Uh... She was like, this is her first role. This is her first major <laughs> role. Like, how do you bounce back from that? Oh, she managed it. She was forgiven. Maxwell Caulfield, not so much. Not so much. Bye-bye, Maxwell. No, I do think it's because he sucks. But then she sucks in it as well. I don't know. It's very weird. I don't, I don't even know to figure it out. I think she probably just got she got lucky, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's sometimes you know there's luck shines on you. Sometimes it doesn't. It's like in Mulholland Drive. <laughs> no, we're not going to we're going to bring up Mulholland Drive and Batman every fucking episode like last. I actually season. forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll bring up something else instead of the episode, but we'll figure that out <laughs> later on. Home Alone. Home Alone. Yeah. Is that a Toy Story two mouse? Yeah. You've got a mouse that has Toy Story It's the one that works, basically. <laughs> That's good. For those listening, Simon has a laptop with a mouse that has a Woody and Buzz on it. That's cute. Yeah, it's the it's the one that works. I've got other mice that don't work. See, right, if, you, if you know Simon, you know that like he's not one of those guys who's like, oh, I love Toy Story. Like He's not like a weird little like cute thing that he likes. Like... It's just for him to have a Toy Story mouse is really bizarre. It's it's like it's out of character. It's very it out of character. It seems yeah, it is. It's because it's cobbled together. It's like it's like if your granddad a... suddenly started wearing Air Maxes, you'd be like, "What are you yeah. doing, granddad? What, why are you wearing Air Maxes for?" I suppose the difference is is that you don't wear a mouse around your I neck or you anything wear. like that. You merely touch a mouse with you, your hands. It's a functional thing, and this is the mouse that works. So right. I'm going to use it without spending money Regardless. on another mouse. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I completely yeah. agree with you. Yeah. yeah, it's like Crocs. Old people wear Crocs. Yeah, it's like a coffee table that looks like shit, but it works. So let's just grab it out of the recycling center and plonk it in the living room and not give a fuck what anyone thinks. Yeah, you're a man. Yeah, I'm a. Fuck. It's a man cave. It's, it's a man a cave. Fucking, the art cinema, fart cinema, oh, penguin man. killing, cool rider cave. So, would you recommend this film? I would, yeah. This is definitely like the Star Wars Holiday Special, almost. It's uh, it's that level. It's that level of your of trash. job. Will, you know, I laughed all the way through this film. Oh yeah, I, me too. I laughed yeah, yeah. all the way it's through. It's really bad though. It does get out and it goes on for fucking ages. That's <laughs> it's too thing. long. It's an hour, it's 110 minutes. So that's like an hour and 50 minutes. That's I actually, like, wow. I, th- I think people, people sincerely expecting a sequel will be let down, obviously, but... I genuinely believe it's, it's been long enough now since since Greece was a big thing. I mean, I'm talking like I lived through it. I didn't. But people who see this sequel as a letdown as opposed to this hilarious thing to be enjoyed, it's like, you need to just let go, man. Just enjoy how bad this film is. It's hilariously bad. It's like a beautiful disaster. Beautiful penguin-killing disaster. It's a penguin-killing disaster. This is Polish Lesson 3. Which means, don't tell me that it's over. You know, just like how that uh, that Amy McDonald song goes. Alright. Bye bye guys. <laughs> <laughs>